Well, hello, and welcome back to the Sensory Reform Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm here with Brandon, like normal, and we're glad to have you with us. On this week's episode, we're talking about the doctrine of repentance, and it's one that uh, might be... Uh, it's not really enjoying its uh, time in the spotlight in our day. I think that uh, repentance is a doctrine and a lo- even term that is conveniently forgotten, even marginalized, because who really wants to talk about repentance? We need to talk instead about feeling good. Mm-hmm. But um, repentance is really uh, very near and dear to the heart of Christianity, the biblical faith, the Christian faith. And uh, so much so that this is the very place where Martin Luther began his 95 Theses as he began to think about and to critique the system of indulgences that was occurring in the early 16th century. And he was bre- beginning to bring criticism toward that. He th- he be, saw the, uh, the foundation for an accurate critique, which then began to lead him into a, a very helpful and biblical direction in the future as he began to further unpack his doctrine. He, he recognized the foundation of this was a clear doctrine of repentance. In the first of the 95 theses, uh, Luther wrote, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, Matthew 4.17, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. And so I think this is very helpful, very significant to be thinking about repentance as an ongoing thing rather than a once and done kind of a mentality. And so we want to think about this as part and parcel of the Christian life. And so Brandon's going to help us here to think about repentance. And he's uh, borrowing a little bit using one of my favorite um, uh, books, or I find the English Puritans to be very difficult to read, uh, but I do like Thomas Watson a lot, and he has a really good book on repentance. And if I'm not mistaken, you got a fair bit of this yeah. from there, and trying to utilize some of his insights. So maybe start introducing us to this doctrine of repentance. So Thomas Watson's book, uh, Doctrine of Repentance, just a great book. And you know, as Watson, you know, he's talking about how um, faith and repentance they go together uh, throughout Scripture; they're paired together. And as you mentioned before, you know, we love to talk about faith or believing in this or that, but in terms of repenting of sin, like that's you know that's uh, you know, culturally a no-no or something these days, which is unfortunate because it, you can't have you can't say say well I, I believe but I, I don't repent. Like no, that doesn't that doesn't biblically exist. As Christ said, even in in Mark one fifteen, repent and believe the gospel. They they they, they go together, and they ought to. Um, Thomas Watson's helpful because sometimes we equate repentance with almost like a mere sorry, you know, as. Uh, as you know, if you've had children, uh, and and uh, the older That's immediately where my mind was going, when you said that. <laughs> right. Sorry, the, the older the older <laughs> child hits the younger, and you say, "Say sorry," and there's this half-hearted looking the other way. Sorry, uh, monotone. You're not sorry. You just said it. But sometimes we treat repentance that way. Well, I already apologized for that, you know, kind of thing. And so Watson wants to actually go to the Bible and say, well, what does the Bible, how does the Bible describe repentance? Uh, What's going on when one repents? It's not this, you know, look the other way in a monotone voice and just mumble sorry uh, because you got caught. But no, it's, it's, there's something going on here with, with repentance. And so he has six ingredients that he unpacks from, from scripture. 
The first one is the sight of sin. The sight of sin. Uh, Watson says you can't repent of something that you don't know exists. So we, we need to pray that the Spirit would, would, would show us various sins that we can um, repent of. If, if I'm not aware of it, if I have a blind spot, then I can't repent of it. But if I become aware of it, then I can, I can repent of it. Uh, for uh, One classy example of this would be Psalm 51, verse 3, where David says, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Uh, he speaks about it as right in front of his face. He sees it, and he's going to confess it, repent of it. So that, that's the first ingredient. You have to see it. Second ingredient, he says, is sorrow for sin. There's, there's a, an actual sorrow for it. It's not a sorry that I got caught and mom's making me say it, but there's an actual sorrow over the sin. So Psalm 38, verse 18, he says, I am sorry for my sin. There, there, there's a heartfelt sorrow. Uh, thirdly, uh, Watson says there's confession of sin. We confess sin. So in Nehemiah 9.2, the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Uh, we see this in the New Testament, 1 John 1.9, where it says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so it's, it's, it's good and proper to acknowledge our sins, to confess them to God. And there's, uh, we, we do that every Lord's Day. We have a confession of sin where we, we join our voices in praying a confession of prayer um, to God. And so it's, it's, it's a humbling act as you are not only knowing it in your mind, but you're confessing it with your mouth, humbling yourself to God. I have done this, I have done that, and you're, and you're bringing that to God's attention. Not that he, did, he didn't know it, he does, but again, it's a humbling thing as you're standing before him, confessing it. Um, fourthly, he says there's a shame for sin. Uh, Nehemiah 9.6 says, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God. For our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. Likewise in Ezekiel 43.10, As for you, son of man, describe to the house of Israel the temple, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and they may measure the plan. So there's this uh, bashfulness. There's this ashamedness. There's almost this sense in which you're thinking... I should have known better. I should have done that. You know, how could I do that? So that's the fourth ingredient, shame for sin. The fifth ingredient is hatred of sin. And, um, you know, that's, I think, one of the more difficult ingredients. Well, it's probably not the most difficult, but it's, it's one of them in terms of we, we tend to sin because we like it. And so it's hard when we think of sin the way God thinks of sin. When, as God hates sin, it's hard for us to say, well, I hate sin. And if we, if we truly just hated sin the way God did, we would, we would never want to do it. We would, we would never call it a delight. But we call it a delight because sometimes sin is, is appealing to us. Uh, but we see in Scripture that repentance involves a hating of the sin that we're doing, a changing our minds about that sin. So, for example, in Psalm 119, 104, I hate every false way, every false and errant way, hate it. We see this, I think, with Paul as he's wrestling with indwelling sin in Romans seven fifteen. For he says, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. 
So he, he confesses that sometimes he does that very thing in which he hates, which is sin. And as with all of us, you know, sometimes we, we do that. We have this indwelling sin. We give into it. We give into temptation. We sin even as we hate it. We do the very thing that we hate. Um, and the final ingredient, he says, is the turning from sin. And it's the idea of putting, putting the sin down, turning away from it, back to God. And so there's this imagery of like, when you sin, there's a way in which you've kind of turned from God to sin. And the repentance is doing the, the opposite 180 of putting the sin down, going back to God. So for example, in Isaiah 55, 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Ezekiel 14.6 Repent and turn away from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. And Acts 26.20 Repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with repentance. So in all those texts, you see there's this turning away from the sin and returning to God, turning back to God. And so, you know, those ingredients, I think, help us uh, to keep um, repentance out of kind of the shallow, half-hearted, I'm sorry, to seeing repentance as something that is a heartfelt sorrow, confession, shame, hating it, turning from it. There's an actual turning away, a nod of, well, I'm just going to keep enjoying it and living in it and just keep saying sorry as I'm enjoying it. But there's going to be this struggle. And I think that there's, uh, you know, the, the Bible is describing repentance at times as, that, as a struggle, as, as a conflict to, to begin to see the sin as God sees it, begin to change your mind uh, with regard to it and that you hate it and then you want to turn from it to stop it and go back to God. And so that's a, a you know as L Luther said uh, a daily struggle. Mm -hmm. Yep. Let me uh, read here from our Heidelberg Catechism, and yeah. which really I think echoes well this stuff from um, from Watson. Also, might be worth just noting that if you are someone who's finding it difficult to repent, or you know, there's some sin in your life, and this is the case for all of us, of course, but maybe you're going through an especially hard time. One thing that I would encourage is to take up some of those psalms of confession and repentance, oftentimes called the penitential psalms, mm -hmm. and sing those, read those, meditate on those. Very helpful because it gives us not just a description of sin in some abstract way, but it helps us to really... Uh, grapple with it and in a real applied fashion so i think psalm 6 is really uh helpful mm. psalm 38 brand just read from that a second ago psalm 51 of course uh there's help from psalm 32 uh and there are others as well psalm 102 is a traditional one psalm 130 but there are a number of uh, these penitential psalms that are very very um uh, helpful and can, can be of great a great use to us to help us to repent and also maybe to even express that repentance um, yeah. as well. But let me read to here from uh, Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 33. Uh, question 88 asked, what is involved in genuine repentance or conversion? 
And here it's not talking about conversion, like you're becoming a Christian the first time. So it's, but what's, what's involved in this? It's two things, the dying away of the old self and the rising to life of the new. And then it unpacks those two things. What is the dying away of the old self? To be genuinely sorry for sin and more and more to hate and run away from it. And then what is the rising to life of the new self? Wholehearted joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God by doing every kind of good work. And as uh, Brian and I were talking before we got on here, one of the things that we want to recognize here is that there is this point in our Christian life that, you know, if someone was a commit, a converted in adulthood or maybe late in their childhood, they might remember a time where they, they came from darkness to light. And that was, that status was very um, real to them. That status change. But I think as we all recognize though, regardless of whether we've had that conversion experience, that there is a daily kind of uh, uh, recognition of sin and that there's this ongoing uh, feeling in your life of just dying and being brought back to Christ again and again. And it's not that we're being reconverted, but it's that, that, that we're, we're being humble afresh and we're clinging to Christ afresh and that we are appreciating afresh the benefits of Jesus Christ. And so um, Watson's reflection is very much uh, compatible with our Heidelberg Catechism and helpful for you as well. Any other thoughts, reflections, Brandon? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, we uh, hope that this has been a help help to you. And uh, we hope that it encourages you in a Christian life, not of, you know, victory and victorious Christian living where we never see sin again, but rather in a life that is characterized by humility and uh, one characterized by uh, repentance. And uh, that is the um, the way that the Christian life is is uh, meant to be until Christ returns. And so be encouraged in that. If Christianity is hard, it's supposed to be hard. Uh, but we hope this episode has not been hard for you. <laughs> hope it's been a delight and an encouragement. Please uh, give us a good rating. Join us uh, at Westside Reformed Church on a Sunday morning. Uh, please also review, subscribe to our podcast. We've, we're grateful that you spent some time with us this week. This is Zach Brandon for the Sincere Reform Podcast. So until next week, we'll see you. Bye-bye. <laughs>